A question for Chancellor Osborne. June the 10th, 2010. Dear Chancellor, Congratulations, or maybe commiserations, on the new job. Congratulations, too, on hitting the ground running. You have made some good decisions already, but I also have a big question for you to answer. Your first wise idea was to create the Office of Budget Responsibility under Sir Alan Budd, whom you rightly describe as, and I quote, one of the most respected fiscal and macroeconomic experts in our country, close quote. Given the failure of the previous government's fiscal rules, handing over the economic and fiscal forecast to an independent agency is clearly sensible. Your second wise idea is to create a government-wide spending review due to conclude in the autumn to set limits on departmental spending until 2014-15. I have previously argued in favour of having just one budget per parliament to include tax and spending decisions, with changes only in response to unforeseen events. Your plan would take the UK a long way in this direction. I also support using this opportunity to take to, and I quote, take a more fundamental look at the role of government in society and how it can fulfil that role, end of quote, as your review document suggests. So far then, so good. But here is my question. What is your plan B? I have been fascinated, if appalled, by the pre-Keynesian approach you and the Prime Minister have taken to the UK's fiscal challenges. What Keynes called the Treasury view, that fiscal policy has no effect on activity, even in a deep recession, is alive and well in Downing Street. In this week's speech by David Cameron, the Prime Minister, on the need to cut the fiscal deficit, the word demand appeared just once and then only in a reference to the demand by investors for higher interest rates. The Prime Minister also noted of the recession that, and I quote, it has been a tale of two economies, a public sector boom and a private sector bust, end of quote. Does he believe that the former caused the latter? If so, he would be in a tiny minority. Does he believe instead that it would have been better to have had private and public sector busts at the same time? In other words, does he think the US needed a slump, not a mere recession? Indeed, is this your view too? After all, with your participation, the group of 20 finance ministers and central bank governors meeting in South Korea last weekend argued that, and I quote, countries with serious fiscal challenges need to accelerate the pace of consolidation, end of quote. There is no doubt that the UK is included here. Your government is preparing the ground for a large, sustained and pre-programmed reduction in the structural fiscal deficit. But if this tightening is not to generate an even more prolonged period of economic weakness and so a bigger cyclical fiscal deficit, there must be strongly offsetting reductions in the surpluses of the household, corporate or foreign sectors. The first is surely undesirable. The UK wants higher household savings, not less. The second is indeed desirable, since corporations ran a financial surplus of 8% of gross domestic product in 2009. But considerably higher corporate investment is unlikely if the economy itself now sharply weakens.
Last but not least, the crisis in the Eurozone, the UK's most important trading partner, not to mention its enthusiastic embrace of the fiscal hair shirt, makes, makes escape via far higher net exports unlikely. With luck, I will be proved too pessimistic. I hope so. But what are you going to do if I am not? Are you going to stand by if the economy once again goes into a steep decline? Have you discussed this possibility with Mervyn King, the Governor of the Bank of England? In such circumstances, the most effective instrument might be central bank financing of additional public spending. But your commitment to pre-programmed spending cuts would seem to rule this out. The alternative might be a temporary reduction in taxes of the kind you condemned under the previous government. In any case, the UK should have a plan for growth of nominal demand at a rate of 6% and preferably more for some years. Who is to take responsibility for this and how? However carefully you carry out your public relations, the cuts you intend to impose will be viewed as punishment of the innocent for the sins not just of the guilty, but of the rescued and now bonus-receiving guilty. You can answer that cuts are necessary because the economy is durably smaller than hoped, and so pain must now be borne by public spending, the part of the economy that has not yet adjusted to reality. But if, at the same time, you made the economy weaker, so throwing away the advantage of the UK's policy autonomy, your decisions would be unpardonable and unpardoned. I have no question that the structural deficit must be eliminated. But I will judge your emergency budget by whether it also contains a credible plan B for demand. If it is believable that monetary policy will work on its own, even in today's circumstances, well and good. But I, for one, doubt it. So remember this. The imposition of futile misery is not an act of wise policy, but rather a mark of folly.